Hey everyone, welcome to the Balanced Dietitian Podcast. I am your host, Marie-Pierre, and for all my English friends out there, you can call me Marie. I am a registered dietitian with a background in psychology. My passion in life is to help individuals heal their relationship with food and their bodies. If you're tired of dieting and tired of restriction, you are at the right place. I'm hoping that this podcast will help and support you as you heal your own relationship with food and your body and give you the tools, the resources, and the knowledge that you need to finally ditch the diets. Every week, you will be hearing from guest experts and myself on all things food, body, and mind. I am so happy that you're here and I cannot wait to support you on your journey. Let's get started. Hello, how are you doing today? Oh, today we have a very exciting episode. Sorry, I just took like a deep, deep breath, grounding myself as we start this podcast. I think podcasting is one of my favorite things that I do um, as part of like the balance practice and the business because I feel like I get to connect with wonderful humans, but I get to connect with you too. Like I feel like it's such an intimate way for us to connect. I don't know. I feel like I'm getting awkward now, but anyways, all this to say. Thank you for being here. I'm really, I'm really pumped that I get to have this time with you to connect and talk about topics that are so near and dear to my heart, dear, near, near and dear, you know, it's important to me. So today we have Joelle who's coming on. Joelle is a wonderful human being. She is, sorry, Joelle Sicarelli. She is part of my team. So Joelle and I met um, eight years ago. I don't know. We met a while ago um, when we did our undergrad in university in nutrition. So we did our four years together. We actually finished our internship projects together. And she is the first person I hired when um, my, my practice grew. So we've been working together now for over a year. Joelle is such an amazing person, a huge part of the business, a huge part of the balance practice. She is, yeah, just so awesome. So I'm like so pumped to, to have her on today. Um, Joelle is, yeah, like I said, a dietitian. Um, she works from anti-diet weight inclusive sphere. She's also a dancer. She's actually a really freaking talented dancer. Um, and it is her passion. And there's so much um, intersection between diet culture and dance culture. So today we are going to take a deep dive into understanding different pressures that dancers can have, but also how dance can be so important in our healing journey and so empowering. Um, so if you are a dancer, um, even if you're not a dancer, this is such a cool conversation for us to have and just like understand the impact of diet culture in so many different spheres. So on that note, my friends, I hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode. And if you do, please, please, please leave us a review, a rating. It really helps us spread this message. The more that we get reviews, the more that Apple podcast is like, yeah, your podcast is relevant. And the more that we're able to spread this message, our goal, our mission as a company is to dismantle diet culture one episode at a time, one client at a time, one event at a time. Everything that we do is really to try to bring down the system that is so harmful to all. So If you want to be part of that with us, please, please, please do leave us a review. All right. On that note, go listen to the episode. Hey. 
Hey everyone, welcome back to the Balanced Dietitian Podcast. Today I'm so freaking pumped, and I know I say this like most weeks, but today I'm really, really pumped because today we have Joelle who's here, who's part of my team. We've been working together for over a year now. We went to school together, so this is pretty freaking exciting. So hello, Joelle, how are you? I'm good, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, as if it took us like over a year to record this podcast together. I know it's crazy. There's so much we could talk about too. So I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Yay. I'm super pumped that you're here too. So for people who may not know you, do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are and what got you to do what you do today? Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, my name is Joelle and I'm an anti-diet weight inclusive dietitian. Um, I decided to become a dietitian when I was, I decided this back in high school. Actually, I remember this so distinctly. It was my grade 12 biology class. (laughs) And I always knew I wanted to go into the sciences, but um, there was never like, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't handle like blood. I couldn't handle like a lot of, I don't know, the other things that accompanied like more like the medical field. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do? Like, I don't want to, I don't know. I don't want to go into just a core science field. So then my grade 12 biology class, when we were doing the unit on um, like macronutrients and proteins and DNA and like DNA synthesis and all of that, I was just like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> and I remember there was just like that moment that clicked with me. I was like, oh my God. So like, now I understand why, like why these recommendations are what they are, right? Like people always talk about protein, but I was like, I have a, I'm a visual learner too. So I might not have a visual of like what protein is and why it's important, like what it does in the body. So I just thought that was so cool. I'm someone who like loves to understand the why of everything. Um, so yeah, so that really just kind of led me to becoming a, a dietitian and like kind of where I'm at today. And yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. I love that too. And I think that's why we get along so well is like, why tell me why, like we yes. know all the deets. <laughs> yes, exactly. So we went to school together at university of Ottawa. And as we both know, the program is not very weight inclusive and like supportive of health at every size and intuitive eating and anti-diet and all those things. So I'm curious to know, like, what got you started on this path? Because I think every dietitian who is now anti-diet or whatever, like, we have to do our own work a lot of the time. So tell us a little bit about that. Like, how how was that for you? Mm, yeah, no, it's it's so true. And I was actually just talking about this the other day with a friend of mine and saying how, you know, a lot of people who are, a lot of the dietitians um, and other healthcare providers too, but specifically dietitians who are you know, trying to become more weight inclusive and anti-diet, um, it's a lot of hard work because there's so much information that was drilled in you for, you know, over four years, really. And to kind of have to unlearn that and like relearn a ton of new, like ways of thinking and like your whole approach on how you've been like trained um, is, is difficult to do. So I remember it's, it's kind of funny. Like I just always I know it sounds kind of silly, but I always just kind of knew that the way we were kind of being, you know, trained to, it wasn't so much for me, like the weight part or like the things like, you know, being taught to, you know, portion size and, and, you know, just being really like, uh, not, not inclusive, being very weight centric and diet centric. 
Um, that wasn't what hit me at in the moment, but I remember when I was in university and like our later years, I just like had this feeling of like, but what if the person doesn't want to, you know? And I was like, what if, but what if this isn't like, what if this doesn't work? <laughs> right. I just remember asking myself that. And I was like, what if there's all these other things going on in the person's life and me telling them here, you have to do this, 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 what if they don't want to, <laughs> or what if they're too overwhelmed and they can't handle that, you know? And we like, we aren't provided with the proper tools to learn how to properly like counsel the, the client or the patient through those hiccups, you know, and those barriers for them to actually meet goals that are, are necessary for their health, right? Whatever that is. Um, but what got me really realizing how, I don't know, kind of like really changed my perspective was whenever I did my internship, my clinical internship at, uh, at CHIO at the Children's Hospital. And my first rotation was um, on the inpatient eating disorder unit. And I was just so mind blown by how we just don't talk about the complexities of eating disorders enough really at all <laughs> in, uh, in our training and how much um, the messages that we, we give the population um, directly affects our relationship with food and directly affects our relationship with our bodies. And being on that unit, working with people with eating disorders, um, there, though there are many different reasons why people develop eating disorders, I often saw, I was like, this is, I, like, I get to work with people who are who have been affected by those messages, you know, and on the other units, let's say at the hospital, I was like, you don't necessarily get to see the impact of maybe what you're saying or how you're saying it. Um, but on this unit, I see it, I see it every day. And the more I learned about it, it just made so much sense to me. It's just something that clicked for me. And I was like, this makes, I don't know. I was like, this makes so much sense. Why aren't we talking about this so much more? And so yeah, I just did a lot of my own, um, my own kind of training outside, like did, took different courses, did research on books and other like influencers, uh, you know, in the, in the community who support like the anti-diet and weight inclusive movement. And yeah, it's kind of where I'm at today, I guess. Yeah, no. And I, I love that so much because it's like things that start like clicking that you're like, okay, wait, like this doesn't, this doesn't make sense or this, this doesn't work for me. And then when you see people with eating disorders and you get to hear from them and their stories and little things that you're like, man, it's so fucked up. Like diet culture is everywhere. And like it impacts us in so many different levels that we're like, okay, cool. Like we can do better. Like, especially dietitians, especially talking about food. Cause it's so such a vulnerable space. Mm, absolutely. I yeah. I remember for me, it just got me thinking of the classes we took together. <laughs> One of the moments where I was like, wait, it's so messed up to focus on weight was this class that we had. I don't know if you remember, it was like anthropometrics or I don't know how to say Oh it. yes. Basically <laughs> measuring oh. our bodies in front of the whole class. And <laughs> I remember then like I was still pretty deep in my eating disorder but then mm -hmm. I had to get measured in front of the class and like waist and like fat grabs and all these yes. things and weighed in front of everybody and it ended up that they had told me that like oh you're overweight like your um your stomach is too big and you know you're going to be at risk of health issues and I was just like I felt so attacked and I was like oh my goodness like that this is an issue. Like when we hyper-focus on weight that way, like I remember that day and the week after and how much it triggered my eating disorder. And I was like, oh my but God. this is our medical system. Yeah. <laughs> this is what people yeah. go through every day. 
And it's funny because uh, no one, even the professors, like no one thought twice about it. Right? No, it's like, it's like, this no is what it is. Trigger warning, like, hey guys, today you're going to get weighed in front of everyone. And then we're going to make judgment on your body. Like, yeah, no. literally. Yeah. And then we're going to tell you if you're healthy or not. And essentially, it's interesting because, like, as a dietitian, there's like that. <laughs> that expectation that like we're the epitome of health, you know, kind of quote unquote there, um, which, you know, obviously is absurd, but like, you know, so it's like, if you're told that, um, it obviously makes you question, like, do I deserve to be a dietitian? Am I like worthy of being in this role? Mm, That's so messed up. It's so, it's so messed up. It's so messed up. Um, but yeah, I w- I'd love for us to talk today a little bit more about how like diet culture kind of seeps into many different aspects of your life. And you are a very good dancer. I don't know if you call yourself a professional dancer. I feel like I would call you a professional dancer. But anyways, <laughs> dance is a really big part of your life. So do you want to tell us maybe a little bit more about well, like that passion that you have, but also how you may see some of these messages seep in that way? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so for those of you listening, um, I dance has always been a huge passion of mine. I've been dancing since I was little. Um, I took a break, focused on soccer for a while, wasn't sure what I wanted to do, and then connected with dance again, and then took another break, of course, and then connected with it again. So it's always been there for me. Um, and I never did any, um, I did never did any like classical training. So I never trained in certain styles like ballet or uh, yeah, I never had really formal training in that. I mainly focus, especially now I mainly focus on street styles. So, um, street styles would include styles like breaking, um, popping, locking, things like that. So it's really, really fun. I absolutely love it. Um, uh, if you don't know what those styles are, Google it, go on YouTube. <laughs> um, you won't regret it. They're great. <laughs> um, but yes, so it's so funny because I think we don't realize we, we often talk about how much, uh, diet culture is prevalent within dancers, but I don't think we talk enough about what type of dancers and what styles of dance. And the more I was thinking about it, the more I'm like, it's literally all the styles of dance. So a lot of classical styles like ballet, modern jazz, all this kind of stuff, these, these specific styles, um, very common for there to be uh, body image issues and a high rate of eating disorders. I actually read a a study the other day that said that there's an average of one in five ballerinas who will have an eating disorder, which truth is a crazy high statistic, one in five. And at the same time, when I read that, I was like, I'm not surprised. Mm -hmm. So that's, that reaction shows um, a lot. In different styles, like street styles, so kind of what I'm doing, um, these styles are really, I mean, all styles are, but these styles are really athletic. So if you're thinking of breaking, so for example, also known, uh, it's not the proper term, but people refer to it as break dancing. Um, it's a really athletic, like try to do it. Okay. It's hard. <laughs> um, and it's super, super athletic. You really need to have good stamina and you really need to have a strong, just overall everywhere, your whole body, everything, your head, your neck, everything, your ears need to be strong. Um, <laughs> because you're, you're doing a lot with your body and, um, other styles that I've trained in like heels, for example, you know, there's kind of that like sensuality profile, you know, and clothing is often maybe a bit more revealing and 
that style can be empowering, but also can often be, you know, almost advertised as if it's like catered towards a specific body type, you know, that like looks good in certain types of outfits or looks good being sensual and stuff like that. And then I've also come to notice that I don't know how familiar you are with the K-pop community, but zero. Um, like I know nothing. You say K-pop and I think of popsicles. <laughs> like that's how much I know about K-pop. <laughs> oh my god. Are we talking about popsicles or cake here? <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> uh, no, very, no, very much not that. <laughs> um, not food related guys. We're not food related. <laughs> I'm thinking about food. <laughs> yeah. I've met so many other people who are now like really involved in the K-pop community. And I was like, wow, it's prevalent here too. So like the representation of, so it's Korean pop music. And um, a lot of these artists are just um, different Asian artists, like all across um, East Asia. And um, the, their body image requirements, essentially, and that aesthetic for those K-pop stars, both men and women are very, they're like to the extreme. Um, so you think of kind of like our Western, like, like, you know, body ideals and how that is, uh, amplified, um, within the K-pop community. And so people are, you know, recording covers and, and dancing and trying to represent and recreate what they see um from like these k-pop covers and these dances and stuff and so a lot of people do feel pressure to look a certain way and if you're trying to make it as a, a korean pop um either dancer or like singer um there is an aesthetic that also goes with it so i just kind of noticed a big theme of how there is you know we talk about things like the runner aesthetic the you know maybe like the gym like the athletic aesthetic you know and there's definitely a dancer aesthetic as well yeah. Yeah. That is so interesting. Like the pressure that we have, like, and it's interesting that you brought to the piece of like the, the, the higher risk of developing an eating disorder when you are a dancer. Like we know that being part of any type of like athletic teams, especially growing up puts us at a higher risk and especially sports that have such a like physical aspect to it of like how we should look per se. Um, yeah, that's really, really hard. That's really yeah. tough. Do you find like, since you've been in this anti-diet world, like, do you see it more often? Like the, the like subtle messages that are being told to dancers? Yes. Yeah. It's so funny. I feel like now I have these like lenses. I can't take them off. <laughs> you know, and sometimes you want to just kind of like ignore it because you're just like, Oh, I'm tired of like, just, it's everywhere. And I'm like, I just kind of, I want to, I wish I could just not see this, Yeah, but I do. And I can't unsee it. Um, I see it. Yeah, a lot. Definitely. You know, I've had quite a few, um, clients who are dancers and who especially do more, more classical styles. And it's, it's so not uncommon, <laughs> um, for there to be a lot of body image, image issues and for it to result, you know, when we think of our relationship with our body, naturally our mind will go to, well, how can I fix this? So I'm already doing kind of the exercise part right well the next step would maybe be to change the way I'm eating right mm -hmm. um I have noticed it um even with people who are within my my dance uh, you know my dance circle and my dance team I had I remember this one time we went to one of my friend's places and we just uh 
we're just hanging out. I don't know. And then we, you know, we got some snacks, we got some candy, popcorn, whatever. And then it was the end of the night. And uh, one of my friends was just like, oh, like, you know, do you guys want to take the, the popcorn, the candy? Like, do you guys want to take it home? And I was like, no, no, like, I'm good. That's fine. Uh, you know, you keep it. And she's like, no, like, I can't have it here. Like, I can't have it. And I was like, oh, okay. And then everyone, it suddenly just st- like started a conversation about, well, there's a, you know, there's a healthy way of counting calories, isn't there? Oh, well, there's too much sugar, right? Oh, but don't you want to stay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it just started, it just, everyone started to have that conversation. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, wait a second. No. Um, and even, you know, like people, I think you brought up a good point where what's tricky about sports like dance, um, gymnastics and like figure skating is that it's an athletic art form, right? So not only do you have the athletic part, the athleticism that's super important, but because it's art and it's a form of visual art, the visual of how you, re- you present yourself within that sport is a huge part of it, right? So, um, you know, what your body is able to do or maybe not able to do, there's so much emphasis on that. And I think that within the dance community too, there's a lot of like that hustle culture. um, That's like, you know, you need to work, work, work. You need to train, train, train if you want to get better, better and better, right? And that can um, reinforce a lot of disordered um, mentality and behaviors. Hey, 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 I'm just stopping this episode to tell you about a free class that we have going on. If you find yourself being stuck in diet culture, if you find yourself, you know, maybe having disordered eating, feeling guilty around food, always thinking about food, always thinking about the next diet, or just maybe having like a love-hate relationship with food, you know, like loving food, but hating the fact that you love it. And, you know, feeling like it'd be so much easier if you just didn't like food. If these are thoughts that you have had, I hear you and I'm here with you. And I think you're really going to benefit from joining this class. So we are having this class on guilt-free eating. So being able to have food freedom and body confidence without feeling out of control with food, without having to diet ever again. I know the thought of letting go of all diets is really, really scary. Um, especially if you still have body image issues, you know, we can feel like oh, we're giving up but I promise you that you are not. I promise you by by choosing to start reconnecting with yourself, with your body, with the experience of food and eating, you're actually putting yourself forward and I wanna teach you how. So you can join this free class. It's an hour and 10 minutes where we walk through exactly that. What's the step-by-step? How do we get there? How do we move forward to having no guilt around food and just feeling good in our bodies? So if you are interested, you can go to www.thebalancepractice.com forward slash sign up, pick a time that works for you, and then I'll be able to connect with you there. And if you love this class, you're going to have an opportunity to work with us. So we're going to talk to you a little bit more about ways that we can work together to fully support you to having food freedom and recover from disordered eating for good. On that note, my friend, let's go back to the episode. I was going to say, like, everything you're saying sounds like the perfect storm to create an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. 
all the different pressures that can be there and like how we think we should be, but also like when you like the modeling piece of things, right? When you're with other people who are also doing things to try to change their body to fit the aesthetics that they, they believe they need to have in order to be successful or just to, to play the part, I guess, of a dancer. Like it, it's really hard. Like it's all, all these pieces together that just make it a little harder. Um, but it sounds like it's almost like divided. Like I see like the way you were speaking, I kind of see it both ways. Like I see it like it can be and I don't want to say harmful because it's not that dance is harmful, but it can be a harder environment to develop and foster a healthy body image when you have all these messages. And I think when you also have like, you know, other things happening, not, not everybody who dances that has a bad body image, but if you already have maybe other um, factors that may help or help, not help, but that may contribute to uh, an unhealthy relationship to food and body, like it can definitely trigger that but I also see this piece of it can be really empowering like it sounds like it's also a way that you can truly connect with your body and make your body move in a way that just feels really empowering and strong and like all of these pieces too and like a really cool outlet as well absolutely oh my god and I think that's what's so confusing for some dancers right like I know so many people like so many dancers are just you know, like dance is their safe space, right? Like just the way that you, your body just wants to move through music. Like music is so powerful and it's just amazing, you know, to just explore what your body can do, right? And you're like, oh, I can move my head this way. And you you really do like develop a sense of appreciation and, and gratitude for um, what your, your body is able to do. But then at the same time, I think it really depends, like you're saying, on the environment that you you grow in when it comes to dance. If you're trying to make it a career um, and make it into the industry, I think it's more the industry that has um, that's more like, you know, problematic as opposed to the dance, like the sport itself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's the industry that's decided to make to, yes, though it's like an athletic like art form, it's decided to take that and say like, well, here are the requirements for the visual aspect, right? Which, and and if you're trying to, you know, turn this into a full-time gig, um, you're you're fed these, these images and these messages constantly, right? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, there's like so many conflicting emotions that I'm having right now, because I'm like even thinking about like, having a job or a career that requires you to micromanage your body like how do we feel about this like what are the ethics behind this when you're like you're constantly gonna have to try to fit a mold you know like trying to get your body I mean, it's not just about what your body can do like it's not just about mm-hmm. training because you're an athlete it's also like and mm-hmm. you look the part even as you age as you change as all these things happen like it's it's a pretty tricky space Absolutely. Um, it's funny because I just watched um, this weekend, I watched the documentary, um, I, Tanya, where the Tanya, it's, uh, yeah, so anyway, it's all about figure skating, this whole scandal thing. Hey, we'll get into it on here, but you should go watch it. It's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so it's all about figure skating. And um, Tanya Harding comes from like a pretty, uh, pretty um, tough, like childhood. She had a really tough upbringing um, and have a lot of money and something like figure skating is very expensive. It's a very, very expensive sport. And she was very talented. Like she was the first woman to land a triple axel. 
um, triple axle, is that what it's called? Something like that. Anyway, this fancy turn, I have no idea how they do it. And um, so she was the first woman to do that. And she would never score as high because her costumes weren't as pretty. Her hair wasn't as nice. Her makeup wasn't as nice. Her body wasn't as, quote, nice um, as the other figure skaters. And she, I remember there's this scene so vividly in the movie. And I was like, wow, that's deep. And she was just like, she went up to the judge and she was like, I outskated all of those other figure skaters. Like, how did I not place? Like, how did I not, how's my score not higher? And they were like, because it's not just about the skating. And she was like, but can't it be? And they're like, that's just not how it is. And it makes me think a lot of, you know, in dance, um, it's unfortunately not just about the dancing. And with this industry, you know, you talked about the ethics and I completely agree but because of the, this industry being very, you know, it's like freelance and it's contract work, like no one is, I mean, unless you're with an agency, which even then I think the agencies can still kind of perpetuate the, the you know, mindset um, and the industry standards. They're not necessarily protected. No. You know? Oh, that makes my heart so sad. <sighs> yeah. And on top of that, sorry. <laughs> um you know, it's the industries, it's very much a doggy dog world. And because if we're focusing mainly on dancers, you know, it's, it's hard to make it into that industry. It's all about networking. It's all about who, you know, um, it's all about what you're willing to kind of do or not do. And a lot of dancers will, um, you know, require like other forms of, of work and employment that are within a similar industry. So a lot of dancers will start acting or start modeling, um, and get gigs to like modeling, acting, and even those industries do favor a certain look, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you can't really escape it. Yeah, that's, that's super tough. Like it's, oh, it's super, super tough. So it sounds like it's almost like, I almost see it as like diet culture on speed, you know, like, mm -hmm. it's like taking it to a whole new level, because then you're your safety and your income and all of that relies on it as well, which just makes it super, super, super difficult. Um, so it does sound like it's all, it's like, and I always see this as like, okay, so what can we do better? Like, how can we, I guess, protect ourselves? Like if you are a dancer listening, or if you're someone who's interesting in dance and we protect ourselves, like, I think there's going to be like the, the system, like, I mean, not all of us can like do the, activist work to change the system but like as individual like what have you found that people can do in order to either like foster a good body image for themselves or protect their own body image or just like take care of themselves through it like do you have like any tips or anything that you you think would be useful for people yeah a hundred percent um quite a couple things actually I did write some of these down because I was like I feel like I want to talk about this on the podcast <laughs> Um, a couple things I would say, you know, the first and foremost, it's always going to come down to, this is me definitely putting my dietitian cap on, but yes, eating enough and just listening to your body. It's not, and it's hard to believe this at first, right. But it is not worth putting your body through the restrictive period at all and, and damaging your body because as a dancer is already, especially if you're working to be a professional dancer, the amount of, you know, shit you put your body through um, and that you ask your body to do that are completely unnatural. 
um, <laughs> is insane already. So you're already as a dancer at higher risk of like injury and stuff. So um, making sure that you eat enough and that you're listening to what your body needs is so important to foster good body image as well. You don't want to risk having an injury, something that could have been preventable. If you would have nourished your body properly, if you would have listened to it, because now you're now you're out of your gig for a couple of weeks or a couple of months because of the injury when something could have been maybe prevented, prevented, or it could have been, you know, lessened um, through taking care of our, of our body that way. I'd say, you know, remember, remember what you're asking of your body as well. You know, so like I said, like we put our bodies through so much. And so just kind of remember that, right? Like, remember what you're asking your body to do for you on a day-to-day basis and you're asking it to do a lot. So, you know, be kind to it because you wouldn't be able to do what you're doing and you can't continue if your body's not doing well. So your body's really what's going to get you through. So remember to still be kind to it. Another big thing would be to respect others. You know, if you have a hard time respecting maybe, you know, your body image, I think that sometimes it it can be hard to, you know, it's easier to kind of deflect and and focus on other people as opposed to ourselves. So that can be a great first start as well. So don't comment on other people's bodies, right? Um, Respect that other people, their bodies are able to do different things. And there's no such thing as a good or a bad body. There's no right or wrong, right? Everyone just has their own body. Everyone's on their own journey um, through dance. and that's okay. Right. That's okay. You're okay. They're okay. Everyone is still deserving to be here and is deserving to um, enjoy what dance has to offer them. And then really seek support. If it's really something that's tough, um, talk to, talk to a friend. It could be someone who understands or someone who doesn't, if you, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to kind of talk to someone who gets it. Sometimes it's easier to have like, you know, a pair of like fresh ears, someone who's completely new to this and seek that support, family members, friends, anyone in your social circle or professional, you know, guidance and support. If, if you're able to um, reach out to your coach, maybe, you know, or your, your dance teacher, if you're comfortable and you have that relationship with them, um, definitely don't wait, you know? So if you feel like you need that support, definitely seek it. I love all of that so much. So just to do a quick recap, one, eating enough, making sure that your body is fueled, making sure you're taking care of your body Two, like remembering what you're asking for of your body. Like, I think this was like so powerful for, for me to hear in that language of we ask our body to do so much every day. Like, even if you were not a dancer, even if you're just like living, you know, yeah. Body, our body goes through so much every day. So remembering that can like help us have a lot of gratitude towards our body, mm-hmm. respecting others and having boundaries. Like we're not commenting on bodies. We get to respect others and respect ourselves through, through dance as well. Mm-hmm. Um, dance inclusivity. That's how mm-hmm. I, <laughs> we're all there to just move to like, like shake up some energy to be able to feel ourselves, to connect with our body. So when we can view it from a lens of the intention of dancing is like connecting to ourselves and like getting into like the music and like what we get from dance. I think that's also super powerful and seeking support. Like, I think that's one of the biggest thing, especially like if you have a lot of shame around maybe behaviors that you have or the way you feel about your body, supporting community is such a big piece in order to let go of that shame. So whether it's your friends, your family or professional support, I think that's such all good tips. Like that's really awesome. 
Mm -hmm. I like how you said the dance inclusivity. That's cute. I like that. Um, this is going to be the name of the episode now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, uh, it, it made me think of, you know, I like how you even like reformulated, uh, reframed that too, how when it comes to dance, you can tell when a dancer is really connected to the music and just kind of moving. Uh, I say freely in the sense that's like, yes, of course, you know, depending on the style, you still respect the technique and all of that, but you're doing it because like your body just understands the music and not because you're so hyper-focused on what your body is doing, what's the right answer and correct, blah, 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 blah. And that, that shines through and um, judges, scouts, like, you know, people who are um, whatever within the industry, directors and all of that stuff who are looking to hire you. Or even just if you're not looking to make this a career, just in general, if you're like, I'm just at dance class or I'm going to a cipher, or I'm going to whatever, like just dance, like your love for dance really shines through. And yeah. so disconnecting it from what your body looks like and just connecting to what your body can do and the literal aspect of movement. Um, yeah. So important. I love that so much. That's so wonderful. And I feel like, and like, let me know what your thoughts are about this. Like, I feel like dance and that type of movement can be so beneficial when you're healing your relationship with your body. Cause it's almost like a new way that you get to connect with your body to move your body like freely. Like, I think it does take like a level of like self-confidence. I mean, and I think you can fake it before you make it where you like, you move your body in a way that's just like following the music without any thoughts and without any judgment. Like I finally almost like mindful dancing. Yeah. Uh, you're just like in the moment, not judging, just like moving and connecting with your body. And there's a lot now with like therapy too, where like we use energy and the way we like, like use energy when we move and we shake it off. And like all of these things can be so powerful I think in the healing journey as well absolutely oh my god you're totally right dance is like my meditation yeah, <laughs> it really is because like you when you go for me anyway I can obviously just speak for myself but like yeah when I go and dance whether it's just by myself in my room or I go take a class I I don't think about anything else like I'm so present and um you connect with your body like you said on just like a different on a different level, similar to, you know, like yoga, right? So it's kind of like yeah. how you do maybe a stretch and like, you know, maybe you do something the first few times and you're aware of, oh, okay, ow, maybe, <laughs> whoops, I can't do that. <laughs> or like, oh, wow, my body can do this. Like, that's cool. Same thing with dance, you know, sometimes you try something and you're like, I didn't know I could do this. Yeah. Or you're like, well, well, now I'm aware that my body cannot do that. And that's okay too. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like allowing it to be like everyday different too, of like how your body's able to move. Um, I used to teach Zumba. I think you actually came to one of my Zumba I classes did. when I used to teach. <laughs> and it was always my favorite part of teaching was seeing people come in all ages, all different bodies. And I know this is very different from like professional dancing. I mean, <laughs> very different, but people from like all walks of life would come and then we'd put the music on. We would like scream. We would shake. We would do all the things and the energy in the room and how people felt after, like, it's what like drove me to want to continue to teach because it's just such a cool way that people connect. And like, we were all, we would always talk about like, if you can't follow the move, like, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> like, just yep. move your body how you want to move your body to the music and like, give yourself permission to just 
allow yourself to move. And it was such a big way. Um, like even for me throughout my recovery, I really do think that's something that was so supportive. Um, even Anthony would tell me like, Oh, you know, like having a bad day, like you should go Zumba <laughs> because you're going to feel so much better. And it always did. Cause you connect in your body in a different way. And it's not like in that moment when you dance, like it's not about how your body looks. It's about how it feels for you and how you're able to feel empowered through it. Mm. You just made me think, oh, that, because yes. <laughs> Sorry, I agree. Another thing that would be good for dancers when it comes to body image is dancing without the mirrors. So the mirrors are, are important, right? Um, they're important for you to like, you know, visualize if you're, if you're doing a movement correctly, especially for safety reasons, right? Like um, you need to kind of understand like where your shoulders need to be, where your legs, blah, blah, blah. And okay. Once you get that, turn away from the mirror. Okay. So that you can actually focus. Cause a lot of times when we look at the mirror, we're still not in tune with our body. We're just focused on how it looks and how it may be perceived by other people or how it looks like to us, but you're not actually paying attention to what it feels like. So does it hurt? Does it not hurt? Does this feel right? Does it not feel right? Mm -hmm. So doing things like you're saying, you know, go take a Zumba class, go take a dance class. And I urge you to not look in the mirror or like face away if you're able to, um, it's a good way to reconnect. I love that so, so much. Um, I think this is such a cool episode for us to just talk about the impact of diet culture in all fields of life and especially in dance and how that can um, be there. Now, you said you have helped people with eating disorder who um, are dancers too. And it's the thing you said, like one out of five people who are dancers tend to develop an eating disorder. Uh, yeah, ballerina specifically. Oh, Valeria specifically. Yeah. Oh, goodness, goodness, goodness. Well, I'd love for us to tell you a little bit more, like where can people find you? If someone wants to work with you, they heard you, they're like, this girl's energy is fire. Like where <laughs> can they find you um, and work with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I work um, as a dietitian for uh, the balance practice. So you can find me on the website, uh, thebalancepractice.com. And yeah, that's mainly where you can find me and book an appointment. You can send an email, you can book online, um, you can reach out on the Instagram as well. And yeah, I'm more than uh, more than happy to work with anyone, of course. And especially if you love dance, we can connect on that too. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's always so cool. And so all the links will be in the bio if you have, or the bio, it's not a bio, in the show notes, <laughs> if you have any questions or anything like that. Um, and if you want help, there, there's help here mm-hmm. to support you through this. Um, okay, so let's do our fun questions before we finish this episode. The first one and the hardest one, I think, for most people. What is your favorite food? Oh, yes. Mm, I knew this question was coming. Um <laughs> from the previous podcast I think my my all-time if I have to be like one food item it's the Ben and Jerry's um cookie dough ice cream guys actually you know even more specifically the cookie dough bites okay (laughs) you can get them I've been I've been to the Ben and Jerry's factory twice in Vermont did the whole tour loved it bought a (laughs) t-shirt bought two (laughs) t-shirts And I stocked up on, they have, they sell just the cookie dough bites and they have, yeah, the ice cream. And that's just, uh, can't live without it. That's my favorite. We love it. That is wonderful. (laughs) If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Mm. I think, I feel like this is maybe really like basic, 
I quote base. I don't know, but I think it's super exciting. I would love to fly. Mm. I think it's so fascinating. I love being in the sky. I love, I've never flown. Like I've been in a plane, but I've never like, I don't know, like gliding and stuff. Like those things are so cool. And I wish I could just also sometimes fly because it's easier. You know, sometimes I'm like, why do I want to go through traffic when I could fly above it? <laughs> Get where I want to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're very impatient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the Netflix um, TV show like Lucifer? No. Is it good? So, I I personally loved it, but they have like wings because they're angels and like, oh, right. angels. And I'm like, man, it's so convenient. Like, out, yeah. fly, go. <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Yeah. Um, awesome. Okay. What is your favorite way to self care? Ooh, uh, dance. <laughs> it, like I, yep. I feel like this one's an obvious one. <laughs> yep, it's dance. <laughs> um, dancing with others. Um, but when I dance with others, it's like in a non-formal setting or um, dancing by myself. Yeah, just putting in my earplugs in and playing whatever song fits the mood and just, just moving. That's my favorite way. I love it. And then last question for you. What does balance mean to you? Ooh. Hmm. I think balance to me is understanding what is suitable for like you. I think balance to me is a very subjective definition, which is obviously why you're asking it. Um, to me, I think balance is very much like understanding the different pillars of your life that are important to you and finding what like how much of yourself you can dedicate to each pillar of your life and, and finding ways to prioritize them um, and finding a way for everything to equal to like a hundred and not be able to give yourself 100% to all of these different pillars in your life. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of balance to me is, is being able to, yeah, have like an equal distribution of your energy and yourself to whatever it is that's important to you. Um, and that's also going to come back to you and keep you, keep you going. Yeah. I love that so much. It's like that energy flow of like the things that are important that you're able to do and allowing that to be fluid. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Love that so much. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast this morning. It's always so great to connect, talk to you. And I'm super pumped that now yeah, people will get to know you and hear this episode. Absolutely. Me too. Well, thanks so much for having me. So awesome. Joelle is just such a ray of sunshine. She is so wonderful. Again, such a big part of the balance practice. And I'm so honored and thankful that you guys got to listen to her today. So if you're interested in working with Joelle, um, you can go to the show note or to the balancepractice.com forward slash services um, and start working with her. Again, she's just so amazing. And yeah, I, I hope that you enjoyed this episode as well. So on that note, I hope you have a wonderful week and I'll catch you in the next episode.